On this episode, we discuss Aloha. Hello? Goodbye. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hello, I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen, coming to you live That's on not tape. True. Okay, well, there you go. I'm not dead. You fixed it. Yet. Oh. Unless when you're listening to this, I'll have died already. In Far which case, in the future, find my killer. Okay. Um, all right, it's Stuart. Oh, that was easy. It was me. You found me. <laughs> Why'd you do it, Stu? Why'd you do it? Well, it all goes back. To the tale of the missing diamond. <laughs> <laughs> Not the most original or imaginative name for the tale, I guess. It's an old story. It was the first time a diamond was missing. <laughs> Every I other know, diamond like, story. They I like that it wasn't stolen. It was just missing. <laughs> it was yeah. missing. Like yeah. it dropped on the floor and someone vacuumed it up. Went this was wash. before floors existed. <laughs> so, what? so it just fell to the center of the, <laughs> the earth. dawn of time. It just kept zooming back and forth in the earth until it... Finally settled in the uh, uh, Just one thing, uh, Mr. Wellington. Uh, you say this was the dawn of time, but it was a diamond. Uh, wouldn't it take millions of years for, to turn anything into a diamond? So how could there be one at the dawn of time? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think I saw a magman running around with it. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. You're probably right. Okay. Uh, one more question. Uh, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's in the center of the earth. That's where the magma yeah. men live. I like that. Columbo's famous catchphrase. <laughs> one more question. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> One more question. Uh, murderer say what? Uh, what? what? Uh, case closed. <laughs> That's what I away. thought. Take him away, boys. <laughs> you know, uh, sergeant, we can't use that in court. <laughs> He's a, a sergeant? <laughs> yeah, Sergeant L- Columbo. L- in the, I didn't know Oh, he's Lieutenant Columbo. Lieutenant Columbo. <laughs> oh, I apologize. Yeah, that yeah, guy. You, you busted him down. <laughs> yeah, that guy needs some hey, air. Busting makes me feel good. <laughs> what can I say? So, Dan, what do we do on the Flophouse? Uh, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And tonight, we watched a movie Did uh, we? called... I'm still not quite sure that we did. Aloha. Directed hello? by... <laughs> yeah. hello? <laughs> hello? Hello? Ahoy? Ahoy, boy. Ahoy, McCoy. Ahoy, McCoy. A the popular sea, uh, sea, uh, sea captain. He's the, he's the child's char- children's yeah, character. a popular sea captain. <laughs> he's the sea captain who's always saying hello to people. Ahoy, McCoy. That's it's what makes hard. him so popular. <laughs> he's, not a, he's, not a, he's not a crusty old salt like most sea captains. Well, very friendly and open. If anything, a little too open. Yeah, yeah. he's a soft, silky salt. He keeps telling He's a me. Silky? He keeps asking me if I want to come down to the docks and scrape off some barnacles, and I get creeped out. I think he's talking literally, but I don't know. Nobody knows because no one's ever taken him up on the offer. He's got the most barnacle encrusted ship on the dock. Some say there's a ship beneath all them barnacles. The weird thing, the dock that his I've boat is tied up it. to, Dock Hollywood. No. No the first time as a kid that I ever saw an erotic cake. <laughs> <laughs> it was Doc Hollywood. Yeah, because they gave him like a, it's like a boob-shaped cake or something because he's a plastic surgeon. Yeah. Is his last name Hollywood? It has to be. <laughs> <laughs> and his first name's Doc. He's not a doctor. Yeah, it's so, like the dwarf. Anyway. <laughs> the dwarf. Oh, 
Well, Matt Dorf. Oh, I thought you said Dorf, yeah. Well, I probably did. I still don't understand why you said I don't know that. if you've noticed this, but I have a habit of mispronouncing things. <laughs> I don't believe that. Sometimes really? slightly, sometimes drastically. Old Ahoy McCloy. <laughs> so we, so watched we watched Aloha. Aloha. Hello. <laughs> this is what derailed us the first time. It's a movie by Cameron Crow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Of he of Say Anything. The Crow. Jerry mm-hmm. McGuire, the crow. Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Uh, Vanilla Sky. He did uh, We Bought a we Zoo. We Bought a Zoo. We Sold a Zoo. <laughs> the Why sequel. did we have that zoo anyway? <laughs> and then the Treequel, which is the third movie in the series, which was called, remember when we had that zoo? <laughs> that was weird. That was weird. The movie, Rated R. <clears throat> He also yeah. he also made for hardcore nudity. <laughs> uh, he, he he made wrote, he made a movie called Say Anything, the Elliot Kalen story. Oh, you got me. <laughs> uh, and he wrote Fast Times at Rigmont Hig. Uh huh. And uh, I almost a, famous, almost, almost famous, famous, almost famous. <laughs> <laughs> About a mouse that went on tour with a rock band. Oh, that rock band, it Modest Mouse, almost went on the on tour. <laughs> yeah, he was turned away at the border. Yeah, because he's a the border of what? Castlevania. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so the Cameron Crowe, come on, Catskills. Yeah. So Cameron Crowe's made a lot of movies. Yeah, he's uh, well. How does it this seem one... like he could do no wrong up until a Elizabeth certain, Town? A certain point. And yeah, that, Elizabeth Town was that, that point. Point was Elizabeth Town. Did he do? Uh, I get him mixed up with Richard Linklater sometimes. Yeah. And I start thinking that Cameron Crowe made School of Rock and the Newton Boys. He no. didn't make those. No. Richard Linklater made those. Yeah. Did you Do you ever think that Cameron Crowe made A Scanner Darkly or Waking Life? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do indeed. And sometimes I think he made Slacker. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think he made Boyhood. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think he made Pie, which is a Darren Aronofsky movie. Yeah. It's not even a Richard Linklater movie. Sometimes I think so he made. Is it because they all have really striking uses of uh, popular music? I think that's part of it. I think Richard Linklater and Cameron Crowe also do a certain type of film that I'm going to call character focused, mm-hmm. okay. not necessarily plot focused. And in this case of Aloha, I think that's how Cameron Crowe went a little too far astray. There's yeah. not a lot of plot in this movie. And then suddenly at the end, there's a lot of plot. And the characters are not particularly interesting. Well, here's something that I'm going to admit up front. Final judgments. I didn't like it. Dan? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wow. just going to. Aloha to you, too. <laughs> I'm going to admit up front that, um, you know, contrary to what you may believe, this may shock the average Flophouse listener, but we are or not. We're a first-time listener. We are not paying full attention to these movies. We pay. Here's the thing. I feel like it's up to the movie to, to grab our us. attention and engage us. And this movie, mm-hmm. from the first moments, failed to do that. Yeah, but The I movie will... didn't take away my phone or Dan's cat that was sitting on my lap. <laughs> no. the, but the reason I bring this up is because I feel like most movies we watch are bad in a way that they're still easy to follow. Sure. Like, they're, they're so simple-minded that we can just, you know, we, we know what's happening because we've seen movies before. This movie... We have? Is <laughs> the problem with it is it's so dialogue driven, it's all just banter. And if you miss some of that banter, you're kind of like, What, what, why is what, who, why is visually this there's not a lot of markers as to what's going on at any point, yeah. And but and, even and dialogue the plot wise, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, no. And even dialogue wise, it's weak, like they don't explain why do they just keep describing their personalities to each other over and over. The characters do a lot of exactly explaining their personalities without managing to really explain 
who they are or what they're doing at the same time. Let's should we get into the plot time on it? Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Let's get into the meat of these potatoes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we they're what jacket potatoes we got in Scotland, and they suddenly hollowed them out and filled them with meat. That's right. That sounds delicious. They do oh, that. You've never had. Oh, it's great. It's okay. actually fantastic. Okay, let's, look, let's hurry this up so I can go get some jacket potatoes. You can go potatoes. to Edinburgh and get some jacket <laughs> potatoes. Have a scotch egg to wash it down. Is that yeah, the same good thing? Stuff. Uh, I not mean, really. It's like an egg encased in uh, sausage encased in fried. That sounds delicious. Let's yeah, let's wrap this up. Look, I've long said Scotland has maybe the best cuisine of any country. It's all fried <laughs> meat. You are largely alone in that. <laughs> uh, the Scots agree with me. That's, That's why true. they have the highest rate of heart disease in Europe. But anyway, <laughs> science fact. Sad, really. Uh, this movie is about Culture. characters, interesting characters like Bradley Cooper, the hey, people of Hawaii. Remember him from Limitless mm-hmm. and what Valentine's Day and My Little right. Eye. And what is that? That's right. That's what most people know. He's in for. My Little Eye, where he He's plays a creepo. I don't remember that movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Bradley Cooper from the A Team. <laughs> yeah. He was in that though. No, that, it's true. That was a big movie. I'm just saying that, like, I you know, I feel like this late. What about American Summer? You know, or <laughs> first day of class, or yeah. whatever that show was. Whatever so, that TV show that he was in. Like a was silver, there one? He pointed, Alias. He yeah, Alias. pointed him out for like a Silver Linings playbook or something, or even like a Guardians of the Galaxy. You wouldn't, you, you know, you wouldn't go for some of these. Who was he in Guardians right, of the Galaxy? He's Rocket, Rocket Raccoon. Raccoon. He's in the suit, the fursuit. He's in the suit. <laughs> he's in the CGI fursuit. <laughs> I forgot that he did the voice of Rocket Raccoon. What yeah. about Rocky Raccoon? Did he do that voice, or was that Paul McCartney? He probably could, man. He's a Renaissance man. He is a he is a Renaissance raccoon. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's a Raccoonaissance man, <laughs> just yeah, like Leonardo de Rodin. With Renaissance, <laughs> yeah. And they were like, "You're a raccoon? What? We don't even know what raccoons are. That's a new world animal. We haven't discovered you yet." And he was like, "Yes, you have. It was 1492, dudes." Anyway. Look at my sketchbooks filled with uh, drawings of my elaborate bone structure. <laughs> <laughs> and or was flying just... machines that won't work. Yeah. Yeah, take that, Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, dummy. <laughs> Good job, dummy, with your flying machines. That's not how it works. <laughs> Why don't yeah, you yeah. fucking figure out the Bernoulli principle and maybe it'll get close, you dumbass. I mean, did he? Is that a thing you figured out? No, I'm just no. I'm saying that if he did, if he maybe did, he would yeah. know. Oh, okay. He's got to fucking study the structure of birds' wings, <laughs> you jackass. <laughs> Fuck you. Wow. Wow. Dan. Dan, really calm down, Dan. Got Elliot, hold him back. Literally, <laughs> I got a lot, a lot, a lot of Leo, Leo, Leonardo. Just go home. Leonardo, the listeners can't see this, but Leonardo da Vinci is in the corner right now, going like, "What? What did I do? Me? What's the problem with a bee? Huh? <laughs> Dan, I thought we were a pals. That's why I come about here. You record on the podcast. You go the fuck away. Leonardo. Should I not make my award-winning a pizza for you? No, please make that and leave it here. It's called Vitruvian pies. <laughs> All right, but 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 I invented that, that a song. You know that because I'm a Renaissance man. Yeah. Hey, I make it a I'm, I make a painting for you, a real <laughs> nice. Real nice, a lady should smile a little bit. You not know why. <laughs> so that's how. Oh, he, you love this painting. That's how he sold the Mona Lisa. That's right. <laughs> Michelangelo's like, correct. I tell you what, this the ceiling look too blank. I put a two big guys, one with a beard, one no beard, no, no clothes. Michelangelo, we just want a blue, like a sky blue ceiling. I use that. Okay, you're going to like it a blue. I put a blue in it, but a lot of other things. Hey, that's a good boss. <laughs> I illustrate a bunch of Bible things for you. Da, 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 da. Leonardo says he invented that song. I invented that song. Hey, Michelangelo, are you the guy who made that statue, that guy with his dick that fell off? <laughs> 
dick that fell off. It was called the Castle of Freak, the statue. <laughs> anyway, dudes, I gotta go to a party. Go up on the pizza. A lot of people don't know that Michelangelo the Ninja Turtle's personality was based on Michelangelo the artist. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing you finished the Sistine Chapel. Hey, with all that a cowabunga for you, huh? <laughs> That's a good rat splinter. Anyway, <laughs> so. I think he painted that whole ceiling using nunchaku. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bradley Cooper, he is with, he used to be with the military. Now he's a contractor for a billionaire played by Bill Murray. He is, has been sent to Hawaii. Where he is go where he was before, and he knows people there. Yeah. In fact, his old flame, Rachel McAdams, who is now married to John Krasinski, playing the part of Woody, the Air Force pilot, <laughs> not from Toy Story, not Woody from Toy Story. This is a different Woody. It's not Woody from Cheers. It's not Woody like Woodrow Wilson being called that by his friends. Mm-hmm. It's just a different guy named Woody. And he's like he got into like a, it's a, alluded to he got into some bad shit in Afghanistan. I mean, he talks about it later on. Yeah, but like no, he talks he, about it up front that he he got injured. He got what? injured. Yeah, there's a voiceover where he explains how he got injured in the leg. This injury doesn't really seem to slow him down, and he kind of forgets about it for most of the movie. Yeah, but also like it seems <laughs> like what happened to him. I mean, I probably missed something, so I didn't want to talk to with too much authority. But it just seems like the bad thing that happened to him was just that like oh a bomb went off and he got injured. Well, but also and his and he lost the love of his life, Rachel McAdams. And right. it also so his life feels seems like even though he has a it was high, also tied in with him being like what morally questionable because he was skimming money off the top of his employer. Yes, uh, which I don't go. remember if we find out at the beginning, but later on yeah, he talks about so. how he was stealing money from. That'd from, be tough for you the, to reveal up front and have sympathy for him immediately. Like, have, he's got all these babes on his hands. I, well, he has two, but I'd kind of that's have, all. That's he a only lot. has two hands. Yeah, yeah. His he has a tiny babe. He has a, a rare disorder where sexy babes are <laughs> yeah. growing out of his hands. They're like a tiny ballerina from Eraserhead. They just live on his hands. I guess you could call her a ballerina. I yeah, call her like a radiator fairy. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, she's. With big cheeks. She's an entertainer. Let's Look, call her that. Look, in heaven, everything is fine, okay? <laughs> That's right. Everything is great. What does she say of that song? No, 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 everything is fine because you got your good things and I've got mine. It's a haunting song. Anyway. Uh, that's a better movie. Can we talk about Eraserhead? <laughs> sure. That's in in some ways a more romantic you know, they, and affecting movie than you this know, one. David Lynch never did tell us how he uh, did that baby effect. Oh, he so he mutilated a baby. Oh, really? yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, that baby grew up to be. Bradley Cooper, what? which brings us to Aloha. So, hello, he's at <laughs> Stewart's fit. So he's come to he's returned you can to. It. He's just returned. Bring, just I'll bring, bring it back. I'll bring it back. Just make sure that it's got a full tank when you bring it back. <laughs> That's right. Full tank of yucks juice. Uh, he has come back to Hawaii to. How come they haven't marketed a kids' drink called yucks juice? <laughs> <laughs> it's you got to take that idea and run with it mm-hmm. all the way to the garbage can and then throw it <laughs> throw in there. It out. Yeah, that's what the the package is called, the garbage can. <laughs> the package that you get yucks juice out of. It's a it's like shaped like a garbage can that you stick a straw in through the top, mm-hmm. and then the stuff leaks out the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like real garbage. Okay, yeah. so Bradley Cooper is there, to- and then the kid has to slurp it above the floor. <laughs> <laughs> or off their hands. It's terrible. So I like it at all. Bill Murray is building a is he's a billionaire who is launching wants to launch a satellite to space, a private satellite from a Hawaiian Air Force base. I think it's or maybe it's in the in the water or something. And he's building a pathway between two or a gate between two bases. And Bradley Cooper's whole job is to be there to facilitate 
getting real Hawaiians to do a a religious ceremony to yeah. bless this gateway. Because it seems like there's uh, maybe some ancestral uh, burial ground. There's some bones there's, there's or something. bones that have to be moved. Yeah, they have to be relocated. They yeah. have to, yeah. They have there's, to be relocated. So, so they can be, they can build their Stargate. That's right. Is that what that's made out of, bones? No, but they're building a star. That's no, they're what building they're, literally a gate. It's not a star gate. But they, they're like talking a, about like building a, a gate, and then they shoot something into space. <laughs> but not through the gate. You can still call it that, though. <laughs> Although if you Stuart's were, like, well, if you can call something a stargate, why wouldn't you call it a stargate? If you go into Madrid, there's a place called the Puerta del Sol. That's true, and the sun is not literally coming through exactly. that door. You yeah. don't travel through a magical portal and get to the sun, but you can call it that if you want. <laughs> I will say that... They should need a Stargate because like 2001's Monolith, my God, this movie's full of stars. <laughs> Bradley Cooper, Emma yeah. Stone, Rachel McAdams, uh, uh, John Krasinski, John Alec McBride. Baldwin, Danny McBride, Bill Murray. Uh, <coughs> uh, probably the ghost of Mickey Rooney is somewhere around there, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, this is. I was saying who wouldn't want to spend eternity in Hawaii? This is probably because that's the what this movie wasted, feels like. <laughs> the most wasted cast I've seen in a film. Uh, well, I don't know. What about like, uh, like a movie where they're on drugs a lot of the time? That'd be a pretty wasted cast, right? All right, like what, like the last movie or something? Like yeah, that? yeah, like Dennis Hopper's the last movie. All right, sure. Um, but yeah, no, this this is a movie where you're like, oh, I like that person. That's not going to help me. That's not going to help me enjoy this movie. Oh, anymore. you're hoping that their charm will just carry you through. Yeah, that. the I movie mean, in is some like, cases like it, it works for a very short period of time. In some cases, I would say that this movie is roughly similar to bobbing in the ocean with no land around you on which to gain purchase, and every now and then, a, a like a driftwood piece of driftwood in the form of like an Emma Stone or a Bill Murray floats by, and you can kind of like briefly scramble onto it to catch your breath, and then it slips out from under you, and you fall into the sea again, and you're just treading water trying to figure out. What the hell is going on in this movie? So Bradley Cooper's there to arrange this religious ceremony. He sees his ex, Rachel McAdams, who's married to Woody. And, <laughs> and she's still banging. And the, I guess, military liaison that's attached to him to kind of guide him through is Emma Stone, who mentions many times that she is a quarter Hawaiian and a quarter Chinese. Uh, and it's something that... And 100% Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, in real life, yeah. Uh she even at one point she mentions that she's a quarter Hawaiian, a quarter Chinese, and a half Swedish or Swiss, and even that kind of implies like. But of course, the superior genes won out, and I look blonde and white. There's a very there's like <coughs> there was a lot of negative publicity when the movie came out about casting a clearly Caucasian actress to be a half Asian Hawaiian character, uh, and yeah, I well, found that it did it bothered me in that the fact that she doesn't look. Hawaiian or Asian should be more of her character than it is. Like right. she seems to be pretty much at peace with who, with how she looks. And another thing that's weird is that she's presented in the first scene as the kind of like all business military discipline. Like this is the person who's no nonsense. And then every other scene after that, she's like super chill, just wants to, just wants to kick back. Like it's like the movie it's like in between shooting scenes, she and Cameron Crowe talked about the character and changed their conception of it, but didn't do anything to address that. Now, can I uh, <coughs> say a little something about... Is uh, it going to get us in trouble? Yes. No, can I say a little something about Cameron Crowe and... Uh, and you don't care who men, knows it. men and women relationships in his movies. Yeah. Because um, I believe that it was after Elizabeth Town, I may be wrong, mm-hmm. that Nathan Rabin, our friend Nathan Rabin, 
coined the phrase "manic pixie dream girl." I thought I was, it was off of that. Elizabeth Town, or was it? Maybe it was Elizabeth. No, I think, I think it was, it was Elizabeth, Elizabeth Town. Town. And the thing about the classic manic pixie dream girl is that they Maybe have we just look it up, but they've got I'm no. Too lazy. We're not going to do that. I'm not even going to edit this if I find out I'm wrong afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the thing about the classic manic pixie dream girl is she does not have any inner, inner life of her own. She's there to help the male protagonist like self-actualize. She's in like some way. the Virgil to his Dante. Yeah, just to class up this shit for <laughs> yeah. a moment. And yep. like that was totally true in Elizabeth Town. Like she's like, oh, this is a crazy like lady who's coming in, and she's gonna fix this broken guy. And it's Are you also sure it true. Wasn't Garden State. It could be Garden State. Oh, it could be Garden State. Oh. It might have been Garden State, otherwise known as yeah, Elizabeth Town Mark One. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Leonardo da Vinci come back in. <laughs> also known as yeah, Elizabeth Town, directed by Zach Braff. Yeah. But um, except Garden State came first. Yeah, but so this. This Han also, shot first, and the movie he shot was Garden State. This also hot shot first, Han shot first. hot shots part first. <laughs> that would have been a great title for hot shots, considering. Um, so this <laughs> is considering the direction the series went, but this is definitely <laughs> in that they added a part two. This is definitely in that vein, in that we like Bradley Cooper is introduced to us like the movie just like basically tells us this is a broken man. It doesn't, but really he never show seems us. broken. I it mean, tells she us, says he is. Yeah, she tells him. There's a scene where she's like, "You're so cynical," and then she earlier she's talking about him to somebody else, and he overhears, and she's like, "But he's like this wounded guy, so re- such a wreck." And you're like, "I have not seen that yeah, in him." Like the second scene in the movie is her reporting to somebody, and he's listening in, and she's basically just describing his character, and mm-hmm. he's like, "What?" But he's and listening. She might as well be like, "Be like, he's so sexily broken." <laughs> yeah. Oh, gonna, the brokenness in it is I'm something that I've got to fix. Yeah, with my oh, vagina. Yeah. And her, Which I don't know, one? zest for life. Yeah. Sure. She has a <laughs> lot of zest. She's fully clean. <laughs> but, but, I mean, like, this is just a, like, this is... And here's the thing. Bradley Cooper can play broken characters. Silver Linings Playbook, he does a very good job of that. Yeah, but in that in case... this, he does not. I feel like both of the characters have a little more going on. I wish but, he had a cane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he should have the cane Michael that... Michael Kane. That, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, hello, hello Bradley. <laughs> you know, you know, Bradley, Bradley. Would you please not lean on me so much? <laughs> Bradley, I'm here for you, but it's it's hard to buy you as a character with real problems when you don't seem to have any. If you could just even like grimace every now and then, you know. Hey guys, it's me, Bradley Cooper, Michael Caine. <laughs> Why won't I, you let me lean on you, buddy? That's right. That's perfect. <laughs> Wait, are you still doing Michael Caine? I don't nah, know what's going yeah, on yeah. here anymore. Oh, you're my favorite. I love Billion Dollar Brain. <laughs> I just wanted to. I wanted to get back to my original point because I actually have like, I think a, an a, like it's not an a interesting goof. point about. Okay, let's do Cameron it. Crow, let's let's not be silly for a moment. Which is like, <laughs> this, sorry, sorry. Okay, this moment. But like this character Emma Stone plays doesn't have like really much agency herself. As charming as she is, she's just there to like fix the main character. And Cameron Crowe has <laughs> done more interesting love stories in the past. Sure. Um, I think that. Jerry Maguire works better than this. The like story of a super successful agent who continues to be successful and then gets a girl. Yeah, somebody but, shows him the money. <laughs> <laughs> to some degree, like that's still a, a woman there who's there to fix a broken man, but it who's works. Also, not particularly broken, but he, but Tom Cruise is better in that one at expressing that he's unhappy at least. Yeah, and the, and that movie works a little better because we spend a little more time with Renee Zellweger, so we get a little bit of an idea <laughs> of who she might be as a person. Otherwise. And say anything, you could argue that that's like about a manic pixie dream guy yeah. 
who like comes in named John Mahoney. And that's that makes it at least a little interesting because it's flipped. And I would say that the interesting thing about Vanilla Sky, a movie that a lot of people don't like, I actually kind of have a lot of affection for it. But I think that what's interesting about that movie is it's kind of an indictment of this sort of movie because Tom Cruise in that movie really like looks at women as something that are, are going to fix him or as like something external to him, <laughs> some like object that he can like possess and the whole fantasy that he goes through in the, like the science fiction fantasy that he goes through in that movie is his brain constructing a reality where this woman does come and fix him. And then reality is a total Spoiler. rejection of that. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. So I think that Cameron Crowe like has the capability to sure. like, critique himself, but he doesn't do it in this movie at all. That's all I wanted to say about that. No, do you think, do you think get this, back to our regular scheduled goofs now. <laughs> do you think he ju- like he had an idea and he lost his way due to like budget or pressure or whatever, or do you think he was just like, I want to go on vacation in Hawaii? <laughs> so the Adam Sandler method. Yes, yeah. I think he probably wanted to do a movie in that setting. There's a lot in it where characters talk about Hawaiian myths, or there's a scene where they go to a place that actual Native Hawaiians live. And briefly talk about how Hawaii is. It feels kind of like when your dad just comes back from his first trip to New Orleans and is like, I can't wait to tell you all about jazz that I'm super into now. Or like my dad has taken a couple trips to to China and Singapore now as part of his work. And he comes back and like wants to tell me all about these amazing things he's learned about those countries, which is great. But it would be really irritating if he then made a movie telling me all about it. As if he's the but authority I'd be impressed. on it. I'd be really impressed if your dad made a movie just to like. Just if he could secure it. the financing, I'd be impressed. <laughs> That's right. You know, That's not a cheap thing to do. <laughs> and he's backers like, uh, well, what's this movie about, Mr. Kalen? Well, I just want to teach my son something. I went about to this it. really neat temple in Singapore, <laughs> and I want to tell him all about the statues that were in there. So I'm going to make a movie. I've already got. Do the statues come to life? No, but they represent different gods. Is this sort of I a think. night at a museum sort of situation. It is daytime, not at a museum, but at a temple. But I did go to a museum, and I do want to tell him about that too. So I guess you know what? We'll make that part of it also. Anyway, so. Uh, uh, Zach Efron is already attached to Star as the dad. As this, yeah, it's we're gonna have to put some old age makeup, maybe a mustache. Who's playing the statues? Perfect. The statues are gonna be played by all the original Bengals. Oh wow! And the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, <laughs> the original Cincinnati Bengals, even Boomer Esiason, <laughs> the first ones. <laughs> <laughs> and one Bengal tiger because there's more than one statue and one of the statues but is he's a tiger. still wearing football pads oh yeah well he's actually gonna be played by Tony the tiger in like a football themed commercial oh, he's, great. he's actually don't believe the hype he what? says that about himself but he is actually just good <laughs> this is not Oscar material but he gets the job done <laughs> still Owen <laughs> yeah uh, so there's a, I'll say, because I, okay, I'm going to give you the shortest possible dis- description of Aloha. Sure. A guy walks in to a bar. bar. Mm, he does at one point. Uh, <laughs> he's here for this kind of small scale thing. He manages to get it by making a deal with some Hawaiian people uh, who we almost never see again throughout the movie. He falls in love with Emma Stone. She falls in love with him. There's some tension between him and Rachel McAdams, who he used to go out with and who was ready to marry him, but the relationship fell apart. It turns out her daughter is actually his daughter and not Woody's daughter. What? And this causes trouble between Rachel McAdams and John Krasinski, who are married. Uh, Their son is convinced that Bradley Cooper is Lono, 
and a, ta- a uh, Hawaiian Lobo? deity. <laughs> not Lobo, the DC the character. Zarnian? And not Lobo, the 100 Bullets character. Oh, no, not Lo- Lano, the 100 Bullets character. But uh, he is alone, and the name Lono sounds like lone, alone, so I guess that's it. And uh, Emma Stone and him fall in love. Uh, he reveals that he has two toes on one toe. And it's so gross. After a mishap in Afghanistan. Uh, and he invented some kind of space sound pulse thing that comes up later. It turns that they guys do that gate ritual. Great. Yeah, problem and solved. gateway from the X-Men show. Somehow. At one point in a yeah. flashback. <laughs> yeah. A guy just swinging around a, uh, uh, what are those called? I don't like know. Like bolos? Yeah, sure. Uh, not actually gateway from the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's, they're going to launch this ship, which has a private satellite owned by Billy, Bill, I was going to say Billy Crystal, Bill Murray. <laughs> it's owned by Billy Crystal. It's a satellite dedicated to broadcasting nothing but Mickey Mantle Yankees games. That's right. Uh, they're going to launch this satellite. <laughs> but, <laughs> but because Rachel McAdams' son managed to videotape a top secret classified cargo, <laughs> uh, they find out there's also a nuke payload that's going to be on that satellite. Yeah. This is an unexpected development in what seemed to be a low-key character study slash romance. Now, I would love to watch a low-key character study. Or just Tom Hiddleston, just kind of like, or Huddleston. Uh, just Don't worry about it. Walking around being Loki like in his uh, everyday the life. Rip his head off. <laughs> Loki's head? He needs that. Not really. He's an, he's an Asgardian god. He'll just be a talking head. Mm-hmm. Like David Byrne. That's right. Oh, now Dan's interested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. Uh, Stop a, making so much sense, Elliot. Uh, I wish I could make any sense, but it's the, the Aloha screenplay. It's about to make even less sense. Hello. There's, there's a Chinese hacker that's trying to get into the system. <laughs> Bradley Cooper, I guess, is also a computer genius, so he defeats that hacker. And then... He explodes the, the satellite using the power of sound. He see, The satellite la- launches, and he sees that Emma Stone is, is sad, and he promised the Hawaiians that there'd be no weapons on that satellite. And so, yeah, he uses a sonic pulse made up of sound effects from other Bill Murray movies, among other things, Mm -hmm. to blow up the satellite in maybe the worst special effects I've seen in a major Hollywood film in years. Like, these are sub-sci-fi channel original movies. What if you saw that in IMAX? How upset would you have been, Elliot? Well, I'd be like, why is Aloha in IMAX? It really doesn't (laughs) You would have been throwing your popcorn in all directions. (laughs) But it was like a collage. Like, Emma Stone's face is enormous. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he blows it up with like a collage of noises that included, as you say, uh, the theme from Stripes, or there was uh, a brief snippet of Starman, David Bowie, Bowie singing and Starman. And Juan Valdez uh, coffee commercial. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like, I don't know, Cameron Crowe is the sort of person that, like, this means something. You know? Like, this means something to him. Like, the idea that he's using pop culture to blow up this nuke. Uh, I guess so. I mean, I complained to you guys while we were watching it. It's like that. something out of a Macross. <laughs> Regular one, Macross. One of the Macrosses. On. One yeah. of these, one of the Neon Genesis Evangelions going on here. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the Macross is the one where they're using music as weapons. Yeah, and there's like a like a pop star uh, robo construct that is fighting against the flying robot ships. Yeah, sounds good. Anyway, so the I was mentioning <laughs> you guys that there's something. I'm really underselling it. I like. get this a little bit in Wes Anderson movies and a little bit in Richard Linklater and Cameron Crowe movies, where when a song starts playing in the soundtrack, I can feel a little too heavily the hand of the director going through his record collection looking for the right song. And in this movie, it was particularly onerous to me. Usually it doesn't bother me that much. You didn't but mention Tarantino. Tarantino, I feel that too. But in that case, in that case, and like Wes Anderson and others, I feel like they usually do manage to get the right match between song and scene. So it's like, 
okay, I'm feeling their hand in this, but and it makes th- sense those to two me. guys are also much more interesting visual yes. uh, auteurs. And often the often the visuals and the music counterpoint each other in some way. In this one, there was a lot more of like and especially of like, well, I'm listening to Cameron Crowe's record collection right now, and in that scene it felt like he may have put more time and effort into putting that sound collage together than the rest of the movie. Yeah. So Bradley Cooper blows it up. Yeah, it all goes to He tells Emma Stone, you've got too good a career, like we shouldn't be together. And she's sad, uh, and she, he doesn't know if she's going to keep the straw hat that he bought her earlier in the movie. <laughs> in the probably the best sequence <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> because she puts on a hat that covers her whole head. But uh, uh, like she, she's one of those uh, feudal Japanese monks who's trying to create a, uh, a distance between them and the rest of well, the world. Well, yeah. it's a moment in the or movie. Or like, what's-his-face from... <laughs> From Fat Albert in the Junkyard Gang. Oh, yeah, the one with the hat. Mushmouth? Yeah, Mushmouth. Was it Mushmouth or Weird Harold or Donald? It's probably Was it Crazy Donald or Strange Harold or Weird? They're all characters created by a race. Or maybe maybe she's more like Mort from Bazooka Joe. Uh, Which one was that? That's the one with the the turtleneck that goes up. I thought that was Bazooka Joe. No, Bazooka Joe's not have a turtleneck. I thought Bazooka, Bazooka Joe Joe's is the most normal looking one of them. I thought he was the one he's with the like one. I thought he was the one with like a black eye all the time. Yeah, he's got the eye patch. Yeah, he's the normal, normal one. Dan. <laughs> he's the normal one. He's got an well, eye he's patch. He's normal compared to the guy who's got a fucking because because Bazooka <laughs> Joe takes place in the pirate like a ma- uh, like where a, everyone's a pirate. He's, he's bigger. He's more normal than the guy with like the Magnum turtleneck. Look. Dan's trying not to draw attention to his disability. That <laughs> he has an eye. That's patch. why he's always backflipping out of the panel. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Look, you're talking. Well, to you some... are constantly <laughs> saying things that shock me so much that I have to flip backwards. <laughs> you're just your feet and a little bit, a little puff of dust. Yeah, you're talking. You guys didn't say so many shocking things. I wouldn't flip backwards so much. And my neck would thank you. Because <laughs> I have had so many injuries. Yeah, so That's much. how Bazooka Joe lost his he, flew, he flipped over backwards onto a spike. Uh, ta- it wouldn't be surprised if I didn't know who Bazooka Joe was. You're trying to somebody who took years to figure out which one was Funky Winker Bean. It's not the guy with the glasses. He's the funkiest one. None of them are funky. If anything, he's the least funky one. And don't even start me about how much, how little of a winker bean he is. <laughs> that's Which the one bean that's always on the most winker. <laughs> that was the that's the comic strip for band teachers, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. for them to put up on their it's, doorway. <laughs> it's the comic strip that is either jokes about band class or characters being told they have cancer and yeah, then dealing that, with it. There's like one crazy funky winker bean where it's just a single panel <laughs> of like crazy funky winker bean. <laughs> of a, savage of Steve a character like that. standing in the doorway and then in the foreground you have a like a character like dead from an overdose of pills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not in my uh, Sunday funny, sir. Yeah. This I want to be this reading Shoe in Rose's Rose. <laughs> this this is, is not funky at all. <laughs> <laughs> Refunk this up. <laughs> Uh, so they blow up the satellite and they kind of break up. Uh, uh, like Bradley Cooper finds out that Rachel McAdams and, and Woody are splitting apart, but now they get back together. Uh, Woody and and they then put it together. It's made official that Bradley Cooper is the daughter's father. Uh, he gets back with Emma Stone. He's told by the military who were at first mad at him for blowing up this satellite that it's true. They found out there was going to be a nuke payload on it, so it's going to all be kept hush-hush, but he's in the clear. Yeah, and they're arresting Bill uh, Murray's arrested Bill Murray. while standing on a beach, uh, and he gets back together with Emma Stone and says, hey, when you come back from your tour duty, I'm going to be duty. here. And he also – and then in a curious final scene, which we were talking about, could have been <coughs> very emotionally affecting in a different movie – he kind of he finds his the woman he now the girl he now knows his daughter at hula class because it's Hawaii and 
kind of silently expresses to her that she is his daughter, and she cries and runs out and hugs him and then goes back to class. And it's like it's a very sort of touching moment the, in a movie that's not very good. It's the scene. It's similar to anyone who listened to our Golden Child episode. And if you did, I apologize for the audio quality. the The scene between the monk and his daughter, where they're kind of like talking about how they like Eddie Murphy despite his faults, and he gives his blessing to their relationship. This was like that, a much better kind of subtler scene in a movie that doesn't really deserve it. Well, that has not that, earned that emotion. It's a scene that it's a, a scene in a movie where almost every other scene has characters basically explaining who they are or explaining what they think the other person is constantly. And so there's they take anything that would be subtext and they make it text. So it makes this scene <coughs> scene seem out of place at this point. Yeah. Now for a movie that has two love triangles, Bill Murray, Alec Baldwin, the military, one of the characters is a fighter pilot. No, two of the characters, a, and a subplot about a satellite that's going to have a nuke on it. This nothing really happens in this movie. Like very little happens. And there's the at least one scene with Danny McBride and a baby named Don that was very charming. Yeah, that part was kind of nice. But like, there's otherwise there's like there's not a. It feels like uh, you're watching the first draft of a script where he's like, I want to write a movie set in Hawaii. Maybe I'll deal with the military. Uh, I'll just throw some ideas out there. Weird overtones of like the, you know, I'll, I'll bring in stuff about, uh, religion, like the indigenous religion somehow. And then he wrote one draft of it. And then like Rip Van Winkle, Cameron Crowe fell into a slumber for months. (laughs) And when he woke up, it was shooting. It was the first day of shooting. And he's like, Oh, I guess we're shooting the first draft. Uh, uh, yeah, but we should, uh, move on to final judgments (laughs) on this movie, whether it's a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie or a movie we kind of liked. Uh, I will say, this is a bad, bad movie. I will say this for it. Despite being a bad, bad movie, I could imagine a scenario in which you're hungover on the couch. You turn on Aloha. You might find it very comforting. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie that you could easily pass in and out of sleep while watching, and it would not detract from the effect of watching it. So that's my recommended way of watching it. (laughs) Get drunk the night before you're going to watch Aloha. Yeah. A lot of preparation. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Aloha. You got to like, make them. You got to make the day for it. Throw you know? on some some stretchy pants. Oh, shuff- the stretchiest, because you're Mister Fantastic. Shuffle <laughs> into the other room. Yeah, you can be baby find an old, Find an old slice <laughs> of pizza. Wander back to the couch. Just turn on whatever tele whatever channels on. It happens to be Aloha. <laughs> then you know what? Close your eyes, put a pillow on your head, and have a well-earned nap. <laughs> yeah. Man. To the soothing sounds of Aloha. You do you. You did it. While Blondie's <laughs> in the other room making you a giant-ass sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie Harry? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the... It's it's funny because this this isn't a very good movie, but there are like there are definitely scenes where you're reminded like oh Cameron Crowe knows how to make something at least somewhat charming, or the actors are charming. Like there's moments where you're like I could see how this would be enjoyable. This could have been a good movie. It does not earn the streaming the various streaming services uh, tagline for this movie, which is say hello to your new favorite movie. I mean that's. The only person who would possibly say hello to it in that way would be, what, like, someone who'd never seen a movie before? Mm-hmm. And they're just like, like that's amazing. This is I my ha- first one, the first of, uh, first and only. I can't, I can't believe this technology exists. Cameron Crowe, you're a genius, because he thinks he invented it. Oh, okay. So, Elliot, what do you think? 
movie I kind of liked. No, I think it's a I think it's a Batman movie, but it's like this plot even, and except for the satellite stuff, this plot and these characters and this setting could have been a good movie. There's the potential there, but it's not a good movie. Mm-hmm. But I could see a movie that involves the relationship between people in the military and other people who used to be in the military, and those people and the natives of a and the inhabitants and inhabitants is terrible of Hawaiians who are feel like they're they've lost something and they're living under the control of another force, you know, of the American government that they not didn't necessarily yeah. choose to be a part of. I mean, it feels like, as you said, it feels like a first draft because every character could use a little bit more of a tweak. Yeah. And they could put a little more effort into playing up, uh, like, the location. It feels like the location is there for when you they need to inject, like, a myth mm-hmm. or something like that. Or, or set dressing, putting or, lays on everybody. People always wearing lays. There's a lot of pineapples Music, in backgrounds. A lot of... A lot of Elvis in Hawaii type music. A lot of Hawaiian music, a lot of ukulele. And let me just say this. When it comes to music, I am not the most accepting person. Mm-hmm. There's not. There's a lot of music I don't like. Hawaiian music is pretty high up there on the list of music I don't like. Okay. It's just a little too mellow for me. It's all about laying back. There's there's a reason that there's no like Hawaiian metal that I know of. Yep. You're, it, well, you're like a real Bradley Cooper type character then. Oh, yeah. Because he, no, but even he seems to like all the music. Oh, yeah. That's the, the other thing is it's one of those movies where everyone falls under the spell of a place, but you don't feel that spell. Yeah, what is this, Treme? Yeah, it's, it's like exactly like Treme. And everyone's like, Nolans, jazz, nothing better. And you're watching it and you're like, this is boring. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry I'm, I'm harping on New Orleans today. <laughs> yeah, they've been through city enough suffered, Yeah, city suffered so much. <laughs> This delightful program is brought to you by Squarespace. Beautiful websites for beautiful bread like MomsBunsBakery.com. It takes a lot of balls to name your business Mom's Buns. I don't even feel 100% comfortable saying that out loud, Mom's Buns. Although Mom's Buns look great, <laughs> I gotta say. Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Ross. Hi, Carrie. What do you think is creepier? Okay. You jump into a swimming pool. All of a sudden, the water goes away, and instead of water, there is the bones of your dead ancestors. Ew. Or mm-hmm. our show. That's pretty tough because we visited a live exorcism. We joined the Ordo Templi Orientis, where we had to worship a naked lady. Oh, and we joined that Tony Alamo cult. Oh. They were scary. Super creepy. We joined the Ethereum Society. We tried penis enlargement, or at least oh, I did. Oh boy, I tried breast enlargement. We have basically done every creepy, weird, fringe thing, except for thousands more, which we will get to if you listen to our show. I'd still say the swimming pool with my ancestors' bones. Well, then I don't even know if people should listen. I guess they shouldn't. But if you want to... Who were at Maximum Fun, and the show's called Ono Ross and Carrie. Uh, before we move on, I just want to thank everyone who came out to our live shows. And came out at our live shows. Sold out live shows. It was great <laughs> to see people uh, in person afterwards, hanging out at the bar. Putting up with us. Commonwealth. Yeah. Uh, thank you to everyone who stopped by and said hi. We had a... Two great sold out audiences. Everyone was super pumped and super hyped up. And I think I heard somewhere that audiences in New York are the best 
Oh, wait, hmm. no, I shouldn't say that now because... No, <laughs> we might go somewhere else someday. I want to thank uh, some of the folks that helped us. Um, I want to thank Matt Carmen in the booth. I want to thank Jesus in the booth. That was his name, Jesus. I'm yeah. not... What I'm was his not, last name, Dan? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't either. Uh, All the people at the Bell House. I want to thank everyone at the Bell House. I want to thank, thank Wendy Mays, who <laughs> contributed some uh, equipment and her... Recording pod- equipment. Yeah, her podcast is called... <laughs> Pet Cinematary, if you want to check that out. Uh, I want to thank Ray and Steven uh, for letting us use their house to watch movies. And mm-hmm. uh, they took good care of us. Yeah, I may they have did. forgotten anyone. And if I do, I have. I have uh, apologize. But uh, just thank everyone for making the show such a delight. Thank you, Dan. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you, Stuart and you're, Dan. You're welcome. Um, Aloha. Hello. Goodbye. <laughs> Uh, I want to just take a moment to give a birthday shout out. Uh, this this was, was not brought up at the minute at the meeting. Th- this was requested. I had a request to give a bolt birthday shout out to quote Ultimate Jin, who had a birthday on one of the days of the live shows, but she could not make it. So happy birthday to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel bad for Penultimate Jin. Yeah, yeah. yeah always not, knowing that she's going to be couldn't make the cut. Yeah, living in the shadow. Yeah. But um, also, I just want to take a moment to uh, say, hey, if you haven't checked out MaximumFun.org, go over there and uh, check out our podcast network. Yeah. Check out the, some the, of the family. It's not there. just a network, Dan. It's a family mm-hmm. that doesn't talk very much. When you're here, you're family. Yeah. And here is Maximum Fun. Uh, yeah, I don't In think anyone case. else uses that slogan. <laughs> <laughs> no other place claims that when you're there, you're family. Spend some time with some baby geniuses, some pop rockets. Yeah, some ladies to ladies. Throw some, some shade. Yeah, mm, Jordan, Jesse, and Go. That's right. <laughs> Jordan, Jesse play the ancient game of Go <laughs> every episode. <laughs> Sounds fascinating. Oh, you learn a lot. It's the kind of stuff my dad tells me. <laughs> uh, but now, let's move along to letters from listeners. You wrote them. We read them. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. That's the way it works, Dan says. That's the way it works. You wrote them, we read them. That's the way it works. How does it work? Glad that you asked. As Dan said, I'll refer you to his comments. That you write them, and then we read them. That's how it works. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you guys picked up the slack, I wouldn't need it. That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. Thank you. Letters is taped before a live studio audience of one cat. So speaking of Birthdays. Speaking of birthdays, Dan was talking about. That's how it works. <laughs> and, birthdays. Uh, you're born, and that's the day that you celebrate. That's how it works. Anything you need to know about how something works, ask me, and I'll sing it to you. Unless it's really complicated and made out of words that don't rhyme so well. In which case, I don't know if I can help you so well, but I'll try till I die. That's how it works. Um, so we're not going to make a habit of uh, doing these birthday shout-outs. I'm going to nip that in the bud. Take but that bud and nip it. That's how it works. 
But since uh, but since it happened that a couple of these came up at the same time, I thought, why the hell not? Let's do these birthday things, and then let's never do it again. You mean they're twins? That's right. <laughs> so this goes, hello, Dan, Stu, and Elliot. I'm Aloha. Writing, <laughs> hello, Dan, Stu, and Elliot. I'm Aloha. Writing, I'm writing to request a song <laughs> done for my wife, <laughs> the lovely Michelle Sellers. Being so super popular and Entertainment Weekly certified now, what can I offer as an incentive? Money? Compliments? Firstborn human children, inspiring butts. I have one of those. Convincing, those? convincing Neil Breen to release his next film. A bit about Michelle. She's an avid flopper and promoter of all things peaches and has recently taken to singing Elliot-inspired songs at random. That's the only way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> she is a particular dance fan and supposes Stu is all right. Michelle is a feminist librarian at a small southern college, Zen Buddhist and cat lover, as aforementioned songs suggest. She is quite real, real mad libs of, of attributes there. She's mm-hmm. quite the home cook, particularly skilled at Szechuan food with various fun dishes. She loves Kurosawa, French New Wave, and Law and Order in equal measure. Uh, she is spending the weekend in sad mourning due to missing your life shows. Live your life shows. shows. Well, this actually says life shows. You know what it meant. Uh, so <laughs> they're not our shows for Life Day. Look, I'm like uh, we didn't invite. I'm, I'm like Will Ferrell and Anchor Man. If you put it in the prompter, I'll just read it. <laughs> so I guess that about covers the basis. Hopes my hope my misc of my misc. <laughs> All right, what are you Popeye? <laughs> I hopes my misc of Askin. <laughs> Potential bribing and referenced musings have won you over. Flopping your Devender last name withheld. So I don't know if the spirit moves you. You could sing a song, or we could ignore this. So what was her name again? Michelle. Michelle Sellers. Not related probably to Peter Sellers. Another Sellers. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. When you're cooking Szechuan food and doing the other things that the letter mentioned that I already forgot. That's how it works. <laughs> so, happy birthday, <laughs> Michelle. Uh, next letter. I'm writing in regard to the great switcheroo and your stint on the Adventure Zone <coughs> podcast. Sorry about that. That was a fabulous show. <laughs> I've been a D and D player. You are free to go. You are absolved. <laughs> That's a callback to a conversation we had backstage before the live show. Joan Wilder, you and your sister can go. <laughs> From your favorite movie, Jewel Denial. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so uh, the Adventure Zone podcast. That was a fabulous show. I've been a D&D player since the late 1970s. You remember back Dungeons before you were born. Dungeons and Dachshunds. Even, <laughs> even working at TSR, writing and editing Dungeons and Dragons products in the early 1990s. Mm, the spaghetti so restaurant. Jealous. And Stuart is one of the best DMs I've heard. He kept the story moving along. Didn't get bogged down in too much dice rolling or rules mechanics. It was a pleasure to listen to. It must have been quite a stretch for Elliot and Dan to take on such difficult roles for the game. Imagine Elliot stretching to play a character who finds pleasure in making short, terrible ditties. <laughs> and Dan losing himself in the role of his long-suffering companion. It boggles the mind. Who, Thanks again. Who watches butts? For all you do, Bill, last name withheld. I just wanted to read that because I thought, Stuart, you deserve yeah, all the pick credit. Me up? Oh, thank yeah. you. for. Uh, well, I appreciate it. It was super fun to do. Thanks, Bill. It was fun.
Hope we get the chance to do it again someday. Yeah, we'll probably do it again soon. Yeah, you've, soon. I know you've been pushing. Right after tonight. What? Uh, Just joking. JK. JK Simmons. <laughs> JK Rowling Simmons. So this next letter is from Paul Last Name Withheld. And it's titled. Sorvino. <laughs> it's titled Some Anagram. Some Anagrams. <laughs> some Anagrams <laughs> of the Flophouse. <laughs> Hmm, what could this be? Some anagrams of the Flophouse. Hot foul sheep. Ooh, plush feet. I like that one. Feel tush poo. <laughs> Dan liked that one. For Dan McCoy. Can my cod. What? For Elliot Kalen. All oat tinkle. And anal kite toll. <laughs> hey. Sometimes it's just accurate. That's how the cards lay. For if you do, if you if you fly anal kites, it will take a huge toll on you. <laughs> For Stuart Wellington, so many letters. <laughs> it's a world of possibilities. For Stuart Wellington, town slut triangle. <laughs> that's all. That's it for now. You're all beautiful and talented. Paul, last name withheld. Thanks, Paul. What do you think about that town slut triangle? <laughs> Sounds like a movie just waiting to be tarped. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll never stick a kite in my butt again without thinking of that. The last letter of the evening. Oh, that's how it works. That's how it works. Dan says it's the last one, and then it is. That's how it works. That's how it works. He's gonna read it. We'll talk about it. Then this segment is over. That's how it. That's but, how it works. Um, it's from now. The breakdown part where, you, where it's spoken word. That's how it works. We're going to work it now. I'll tell you how it works with the last letter. Uh, this is from Loa. Loa. Jesus Christ. I just said it <laughs> correctly one second ago. And then you did. the breakdown. That's how it works. <laughs> Dan says a thing and we throw him off. No, <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> Noah, last name withheld, Arc. says, Wiley. I'm a 16-year-old fan. Who recently had a few friends over for a screening of a frequently recommended Flophouse? I never thought it would happen to me, but I had my friends over for a movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say right now, not age appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) This was, of course, the cinematic masterwork that is Castle Freak. Yep, yep. There you You go. Guys learned so much about anatomy. (laughs) (laughs) Though I was, though I was disappointed by the lack of ding dong ripping, I still must have been going to the bathroom during that. (laughs) (laughs) I still really enjoyed the film. That is until my mom walked in during the scene <laughs> during the scene where the titular hero bites a prostitute's nipple off. Yep. It was, as you can imagine, painfully awkward. I mean, I, I feel like it's your fault watching that movie when your mom's at home. Mm-hmm. But even though my relationship with my mother is irreparably damaged. <laughs> she showed up she showed up with like pizza bagels and sodas for everybody. Kids, I have Sunny D and the purple stuff. Oh my god! Oh dear Lord, what's happening? Uh, I still began. I still. <laughs> you started Castle Freak without me. <laughs> <laughs> I still begun planning a sequel. Castle Freak takes New York, in which the Castle Freak I becomes a Broadway sensation. Mm-hmm. What would you guys want from a Castle I'll Freak? I'll tell you one sequel? show. He's one show. He's not appearing in Puppetry of the Penis. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's a Broadway show, right? I'll tell you another well, show. It was near Broadway. <laughs> I'll tell you another show. He's Broadway not appearing Jason. in. Yakov Smirnoff show because it closed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or Equus for the same for both reasons. <laughs> so, uh, what would you like to see in a Castle Freak sequel? Was the question? Are we going to continue the idea that he is in a Broadway show, or I can like? You can just are do, we you blue, know, sky you're blue sky? sky no, the, the only thing. the only boundaries is your imagination. 
Okay. That's how it works. That's how it works. So, uh, obviously, because it is the 21st century, we're going <laughs> to take Cast Freak to cyberspace. <laughs> now, he died at the end of the movie. Yep, so but his how- consciousness didn't. It's been uploaded to the net. <laughs> so, a local okay. Italian hacker uh, uploaded his consciousness to the internet. Mm-hmm. In an attempt to break down, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, create the ultimate virus. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, is castle now an anagram? It is, of course. That's a castle, like a castle wall is like a firewall that somebody used to protect their goodies on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Why do you mean anagram? I'm sorry, I mean acronym. Yeah. So it's like computer assault syndrome terror uh, life eraser freak. Perfect. Yeah. Wait, where's the freak part come from? No, no, the freak is not an act because he's a castle freak. Oh yeah, he's still he's a freak. freak. Castle, yeah, he's still. Look, he's, he's even more of a freak now that he's dead. Yeah, yeah, because he exists. But, and freak is spelled ph. Oh, oh no, like kidding. a phone freak, exactly. <laughs> or because he's, uh, I don't know, made of acid. Wait, uh, I don't know why that would. Because <laughs> of his pH balance. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. He's no longer a base. So, anyway, he's uploaded. He's to not the a net. basic bitch. He's a phone freak. <laughs> Certainly not. He's a uh, so, he's uploaded to the net, and then some Italian console cowboy <laughs> comes along. I love how it's still Italy, even though the internet is global. <laughs> It's the World Wide Web. It's not just the yeah, World that's the Ita- Italian that's, Web. That's a line from the movie. Oh, my God, he's gone global. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a me, Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, my God, the castle freak, it's gone global. He's in a Maya computer that's made out of, I don't know, sticks and rocks. <laughs> I made my computer out of spaghetti. <laughs> it's a spaghetti a- network. <laughs> I made it out of a Babali uh, computer shell. Babali? Babali. Computer crust. And so how do they defeat him? Uh, do they I rip off like a digital ding-dong? I don't know. They throw him off a roof. <laughs> digital roof. It still ends with them going into virtual reality cyberspace and throwing him they off a computer roof. pick up his hard drive and throw it off a roof. Come on. <laughs> I like, yeah, they throw the computer off a roof. It's just like that, it's just like that scene we always watched at the show where uh, – Mark Harmon walks in on uh, what NCIS oh, and love just that. unplugs the computer to stop hackers. But only after. So anyone who hasn't seen this, you've probably seen it. This is a clip we used to watch all the time of the Daily Show, an episode of NCIS where their science computer lab is being hacked into, mm-hmm. and the hacker character. You know, she's like a goth hacker because she's got like a nose ring and mm-hmm. dyed black hair, and pigtails, and, and pig- a ch- yeah. choker, mm-hmm. and she's probably listens to a lot of like. What? I don't even know. Like uh Like five finger death punch and whatnot. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> like uh she goes to the warp tour a lot, but the uh <laughs> sure. the, she she's a semi professional <laughs> <laughs> Every I mean, weekend she's I mean, at the warp tour. I mean more than once she's been there. Uh and she's like, I can't type fast enough, I can't type fast enough to leave this hack hacker out. Another scientist goes, Well uh, let me in, let me in. And the two of them start typing on the same keyboard as yeah. if that'll make it go faster. <laughs> like As the, if they're playing heart and soul on the piano. <laughs> Like typing is the same as like pushing a car that's not working. That's right. So you're like, well, it, the two of us together will be stronger, and they can't type on the keyboard together fast enough. And so Mark Harmon walks over and unplugs the computer, and he's like, problem solved. Because NCIS is a show for old people who don't know how computers work. <laughs> Such a great scene. It's so funny. Uh, yeah. So much wrong with it. Problem solved. Okay. So before we unplug this computer, consider this freak castled. Uh, Starring Nathan Fillion. That's how it works. <laughs> so now it's time for the final <laughs> segment of the evening or day, whenever you're listening to this thing. Or life if you're dying. 
<laughs> That's right. If you're dying, please take these out and say goodbye to your children. I need to stay alive long enough to finish the Aloha episode. Find out what movies they like. Need to find out what the sting is after the theme song at the end. Are there any bloops? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hear them bloops. Must get to the bloops. <laughs> Sounds like somebody's trying to <laughs> it's a thin line between bloops and poops. <laughs> we have fun here sometimes. Yeah. Whoa, sorry, Kitty. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. I, I was supposed to have more time. Time for the bloops. So, yeah, this is where we recommend movies that we <laughs> I'm saw. I'm sorry you have one bloop to live. <laughs> I get a good bloop. <laughs> Uh, this is where we recommend movies. <laughs> finish everything on my bloop it list. <laughs> that we liked in contrast to Whoops. Uh, a movie like Aloha. Hello. That we loved. Um, I'll start. I watched the movie <coughs> It's Such a Beautiful Day, the Don Hertzfeld uh, animated film. Oh. It's available on Netflix streaming. Uh, you can watch it. Uh, in a mere hour of your time, and I recommend it. Even though it's highly. an hour and a half long, uh, it's an animated film that I mean, Don Hertzfeld, you know, has done a bunch of animated shorts, but this is uh, one of his his long pieces, and uh, he does it in a sort of a stick figurey style that's deceptively simple. He's a really great animator, but he uses on top of the stick figure animations the pencil animations. Uh, a lot of collage, a lot of different effects. Um, he puts in some, you know, live action shots as well. And it's about a character. I guess what you're saying is he puts the ooh in cartoon. I don't know if I would say that. You said it, dude. I'm <laughs> quoting you. Now I feel ashamed. It's right here in so Animation Age magazine. <laughs> but well, um, It's on the Cartoon Brew website. Okay, he puts the ooh in cartoon. But it's about a character called Bill who... Um, it starts out as a bunch of unconnected... His name is Bill who, um... Oh, God. Anyway, I won't it interrupt anymore. It starts out as a bunch of unconnected vignettes, and then it slowly becomes a story of how this character has a sort of unspecified terminal disease that means that he starts having hallucinations, and then it the movie sort of tracks his... The progression of this disease, it tracks flashbacks into his past... Uh, and his family history and how they've had uh, a crazy, unlucky time. And then it flashes forward, sort of, not flashes forward, but it tracks Bill's future, how the disease progresses, and how there's sort of a transcendent ending to it all. It, it's it's all about death and coming to terms with death and coming to terms with aging. But it's also funny, and it pushes the boundaries of cartooning and it's uh, sad and sort of beautiful, and it all happens, as I said, in an hour. So uh, I highly recommend you watch Don Hertzfeld's It's Such a Beautiful Day. And that's my recommendation. Sounds good. Stuart, do you want to go next or should I go next? Sure, I'll go next. I'm going to recommend a movie I think you guys have already seen, but I haven't recommended. It's called Aloha. I'm going to recommend... Hello. <laughs> Uh, that's I'm, how it works. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> I'm going to recommend a movie called Sicario. Oh. Uh, 
Uh, Sicario uh, is a it's about movie. a sick car. Yo, Yo. Um, <laughs> let me see if I can pronounce this name properly. That was stupid, and I loved it. <laughs> Let me see if I can pronounce this name properly. <coughs> Emily Blunt is in it. Oh, okay. Uh, was that a switch em up? Yep, because it's directed by Denis Villeneuve, <laughs> uh, who directed uh, Prisoners and Enemy. Uh, and uh, and uh, Sic- When Harry Met Sally, right? Probably. That's right. Now, Sicario is like those movies in that it's got atmosphere for days. It's got some heavy foreboding soundtrack. Uh, it's got some nice, long, slow shots. Uh, there's a lot of shadows. Um, it's really tense. It's all about building that tension, man. And it's about the drug war along the uh, Texas and the Arizona border along Mexico. Um, and it, the story focuses on Emily Blunt, who plays, I believe, an FBI agent. I uh, it, I don't know. Uh, but she uh, she gets kind of wrapped up in... <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I didn't see the movie. Like, yeah, you're doing a, a, like a report, a school report on a book. So, you didn't Sicario read. is the story of a sicar that. Uh... Nope, it says FBI agent in uh, IMDb. So she uh, she gets kind of wrapped up in this uh, investigation with some uh, members of a it seemingly unknown U.S. government uh, organization to kind of take on the Mexican cartels and to take the, on me. To take on take me. Take me on. Mm-hmm. I'll be gone. And she turns into a tune, Toodles. like your, your recommendation. Uh, so, Sicario, watch it. And it gets pretty intense. All right. I'm going to recommend a movie that I had originally planned to recommend at our one of our live shows, but we didn't do recommendations for those. We had watched the film Entourage, and I decided to recommend a movie about a slightly more likable group of young people than the Entourage group, which is... Jackass the movie. <laughs> Which is class of 1984, uh, which is one of the classic uh, punk movies, and that is a movie about how punk teens are a menace who will rape and kill people, but the movie ends up being such an antisocial, like, enjoyable piece of trash that it's kind of more punk than they meant it to be. That's not a, that's not a surprise. It's directed by Mark Lester, who you know best as the director of Commando, mm-hmm. another movie that is such trash that it becomes brilliant. Uh, and it stars a whole slew of stars, Timothy Van Patten, Roddy McDowell, Michael J. Fox, before he put the J in his name when he was just Michael Fox. Whoa. And it's, it's all about how these kids in the 80s with their punk music and their crazy haircuts are going to start acting up, swearing at, at teachers, and uh, running drug rings and prostitution rings out of the backs of nightclubs and killing people. And uh, <coughs> it's a... Super crazy, enjoyable movie, except for a sexual assault scene that I did not care for. That I watched again recently, having not seen it in a long time, and I'd forgotten about this scene somehow. And I did not like that part. That was unnecessary. But otherwise, it's uh, if you wanted to see a band teacher, this is for Funky Winkerbean fans out there. Sure. If you want to see a band teacher, the funkiest. get his life ruined by a bunch of crazy punk teens who have the greatest wardrobes, maybe in the history of film. And... Then he gets revenge on them by killing all of them. <laughs> then uh, this is the movie for you, Class of 1984. Theme song by Alice Cooper. All right. Well, he sang it. He didn't write it. Mm-hmm. All right. Jesus. Jump down my throat. <laughs> God. 
I would yeah, never... you're not the cat from Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. <laughs> yeah. I would and never... Dan's not Buster Poindexter, <laughs> yes. the star of Free Jack. Yeah, supporting character. Star. He's not even the second lead from Free Jack. <laughs> Who is it? Mick Jagster? Yeah. <laughs> you're more you're better off calling him the star of Scrooge, which he's also not the star of. He just plays the he plays the cabbie, he's the, the main character. Cab, ghost of the past. Now how much does the Jack cost for that movie? Uh, I don't know, probably $25. <laughs> really? Or best Surprisingly offer. Surprisingly expensive. <laughs> yeah. No, it's because it's uh, G- it's uh, GMO-free. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Free-range Jack. Yeah, free, it's free-range grass-fed Jack. It's healthier it's that way. It's Jack. <laughs> Which the, do not want. What if, fat. what if Mick Jagger pulled Kangaroo Jack from the past in Free Jack? How disappointed would he be when he's like, I thought you were going to be a rapping kangaroo, but you're just a regular kangaroo. <laughs> that was a dream sequence or something? Yeah. Can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> Under your thumb, Roo. Perfect. Keep going. How many other songs do you know uh, about the The Beast of Burden in this case would be a kangaroo, of course. Yeah. I'm just waiting for a friend named Wild Kangaroo Jack. kangaroos couldn't drag mm-hmm. me away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Voodoo Lounge. Brown sugar kangaroos. clearly Voodoo is the brown lounge. of the kangaroo's pelt. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the sweetness of the pouch. <laughs> Uh, so they keep all their treats. Other Rolling Stones songs. Uh, uh, you got us. W- Sympathy for the Kangaroo. Uh, Painted. Painted Jack. It's called Kangaroo uh, Jack. Jack. Painted Jack. <laughs> Painted Sack. I was just thinking of the bag. Yeah, because of the famous kangaroo scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> Which they turned can't, into what bagpipes? <laughs> their yeah. their famous song, "Can't You Hear Me, Jackin." <laughs> <laughs> All right, and of course, who could forget? Dan, give me a oh, Jack Sucker Blues. There you go, mm-hmm. the unreleased Stone song, not Jumpin' Jack Flash. Oh, <laughs> Damn it! Shit! <laughs> oh snap! Oh, oh, he's lying we, on the ground, and he walked right past it. Not see it. <laughs> I'm picking up pennies, and there's a gold bar sitting right in front of me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Stewart, that's how it works. <laughs> that's how it works. So, uh, but anyway, for the flop house, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen, and that's the end of the show. We say our names and say goodbye, and that's how it works. Aloha. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Those bloopers are going to the poopers <laughs> Those are too. The top bloops. <laughs> Uh, Tonight on Pooper Bloopers, <laughs> your favorite collection video of bloopers of people failing to use the toilet properly. <laughs> Why was a camera on them? Who knows? <laughs> but but that's not a toilet. That's a sink. Going. Those aren't kids. Those are normal adults. What's going on? <laughs> this guy just can't seem to get the paper to his anus. <laughs> Let's watch what happens. Live. It's called uh, Boobers and Rectical Jokes. (laughs) (laughs) The Sergio Aragones cartoons are disgusting. Dick craps, boobers. (laughs) Dick craps, boobers and rectical jokes. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. 
let's be honest. We live in a world with too much media. You need a podcast on the front lines figuring out what's great. We're here for you. We're Pop Rocket. I am Guy Branham. I'm a comedian. I'm Winter Mitchell. I call myself a digital strategist. <laughs> I'm Oliver Wang, academic and disc junkie. Margaret Wappler, je suis as journaliste. <laughs> <laughs> and we watch, listen to, and read everything so that you don't have to. And then we tell you about all the things that you'll love to love. Find us in iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Pop Rocket. Every Wednesday from Maximum Fun. Dot org.